Welcome back to the Mining Your Business podcast, a show all about process mining, data science, and advanced business analytics. I am yet again, Patrick, and with me, as always, my colleague, Jakub. Hi. Hi. Today's episode is all about training, why it's important, and what you must consider before starting your learning journey. Joining us today is our very own Daniel Bitch, a data scientist and trainer at our company. Let's get to it. Sometimes the only difference between a huge success and failure in a process mining project is the people and their knowledge of the process mining tool. It's not only about process mining awareness within the organization, but very often it comes to the actual knowledge about how to use the tool and squeeze the most out of it. When it comes to process mining, the things can get a bit more complex than in a standard BI tool, especially when a user needs to start reading into the famous process explorer. And for that exact reason, investing the time and money into a proper training may ultimately yield the biggest return on investment in the project. Underestimate the training of your users and the project might very well not even lift off the ground. To talk about trainings, we have brought our very own expert on the topic, Daniel Bitch. Uh, Daniel, thanks for coming to the show. Hi, guys. Thank you to invite me. It's nice to be here with you. Daniel, uh, first, let me publicly congratulate you on your second born. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> you. you are now on your daddy holiday, which I do yeah, yeah. envy you a bit, but uh, congratulations, man. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, I can. Well, I can't actually imagine because I don't have any of my own, but, uh, you know, good for you. And I wish you all <laughs> the best and, uh, you know, now uh, uh, nice and sound growing up with as yeah. little issues as possible. All right. I, I enjoy the time with the with the kids now, and uh, yeah, see them growing up. Thanks. <laughs> Bring them to the office someday. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Daniel. Um, let's get to process mining. So mm -hmm. we invited you as uh, our own expert on trainings, and uh, looking into your career history, you actually worked as a kind of a freelancer or kind of a practitioner, uh, a person who was doing trainings for Solis uh, for almost two years. Um, how did you get into this position even? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, it's kind of a long story. Um, I cut it a little bit short. Um, during my studies in Munich, uh, I was working at a student consultancy and we have a very close contact to Salonis because the three, grounder, uh, the three um, founders of Salonis were also part of this um, consultancy. And so during this, some, yeah, some meetings with them, we, they talked about having no, no trainers or I yeah, need some trainers. And we started a pilot project and I was part of it. And that was basically it, how I came to it. And it made, it was fun. And yeah, that's how I started it. <laughs> was that your first introduction into process mining or had you heard about it before? No, that was, yeah, during the consultancy times, uh, it was the first time, yeah. But like I said, we had a close, close relationship and other, um, yeah, colleagues worked there as data scientists, um, made their internships there, and they brought it to the consultancy and showed what Salonis can do. And from the beginning, I was, uh, yeah, I was really um, hyped about the, the software and I wanted to get to know it. So I was 
thinking, hey, let's join these meetings with Salonis, talk to them and get to know them. Did you have any prior experience to, to teaching or trainings beforehand? or mm, Not professionally. Uh, it was also during the consultancy times. We yeah, had trainings for ourselves. We teached each other at stuff. Mm -hmm. And this was just teaching how to use Excel and some stuff there and how to present right and stuff like this um, brought me to it. And I said, yeah, it's fun. So let's let's try it with Salonis. Um, they didn't say, hey, you look good. You can talk. Just get up there and, <laughs> and do it. <laughs> they, they also teach us how to do it. And they um, had their process how to bring us there. So... Yeah, that's actually that was actually my next question, which <laughs> is very interesting because before we get into the uh, tr uh, trainer talks about the training, the trainer actually <laughs> needs to teach himself first, right? And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. how did Salonis even introduce you into the tool, and how did you uh, even start with being able to 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 carry out this message, carry out this knowledge uh, further on? Um, yeah, that's a good question. It was kind of a learning process. Um, yeah, started like most of um, our colleagues here at ProcessEnd. We had to do the online training and mm -hmm. answer all the, the questions. And it started with the first sorting. Um, like they said, if you don't match up higher than 80%, you're not sorry, but then we don't go further. Uh -huh. And after that, we... Yeah, had talks, talked to them. If you had questions, to, we talked to data scientists and the other trainers. They actually had a trainer in the academy uh, mm -hmm. for that, at that time. And yeah, then we started with our first trainings to first training sessions to listen to it and sit there and see how other training trainers mm -hmm. are doing it. And from time to time, you uh, get your own parts during the trainings and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, from from training to training, you talk more, and in the end, you were alone. So they basically very much ease you into the process, yeah. and at some point, you are uh, more or less capable of doing these trainings on yeah. your own. Yeah, and they always um, had your back if there are questions, because now I can answer most of the questions myself because I'm walk working with the tool. But back then I was like, yeah, I'm teaching you to, to work with it. But in the back end, I don't know what what's really happening. Mm -hmm. So they were always um, having your back said like, if you have questions, if you can't answer questions, don't try to. <laughs> don't give false <laughs> information. <laughs> Please call us or write us a message. Say them you, tell them you come back to them with the answer. And that's, that's basically it. Yeah. So you were at um, the training of Salonis for about one and a half years. Um, what was mm -hmm. the, the reason that you now work at, uh, at Process End with us lovely people? <laughs> yeah, you took me. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I, was, I wanted to, to get more technical. technical. Um, I had my master's thesis. Uh, I also implemented one process at um, BMW and I wondered yeah, well, I wanted to do more stuff like this I also said okay it doesn't need to be now it could be in a few years but I knew I want to go to, uh, yeah, to be a data scientist and I also a 
applied um, to the academy as a full-time trainer. But in the end, I decided to come, come to Prost and to start as a data scientist. Okay, so Daniel, now let's really get into those trainings. Uh, mm-hmm. My first like question is a bit more general, and that is, uh, why should we even do trainings in, in the project? Like, why is it important? What does it bring? That's, that's really important, and it's really good that you ask it. You kind of answered it yourself in, in the introduction. Um, mm-hmm. It is important that everybody knows how to use the new tool, because Perhaps you've seen it in, in other companies you worked at. There is a new tool, they roll it out and nobody knows exactly what to do with it, what, how to use it, when to use it. And then it's, yeah, nobody uses it. And by the time it's just, it's, it's kicked out because it's expensive and nobody um, even, mm-hmm. even cares. And this is why it's important to enable, yeah, all the people to use it and to, to see what it can, what value it could could generate, and yeah, to make them have fun using it. So this is a big point. The trainings <laughs> always say, "Hey, this is fun." This how is fun. do you <laughs> how do you make a training fun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. Um, I have to say, since Corona, it's much harder to to um, raise fun or to raise it. Um, if you're in person, you can, it's your, your type, you talk to them and you can make a joke and you see the gestures and mimic and you can work with it. If it's remote, it's, it's hard. I must say it's harder to, to, um, bring fun to it or yeah, like from time to time to make them having fun. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, when we are looking into the trainings at, uh, what part or what, uh, phase of the project you actually, actually introduce it, do you do it already before they, uh, even, uh, go in implementing the tool or do you doing during the implementation or maybe after, is there some, some, uh, golden rule on how and when to do it? Mm. No, it's, it's individually, but yeah, like... There are a few things you should have in mind. Um, a few rules. At first, you need a capable partner at your at the company. As in, if during your implementation, you can talk to. And yeah, it's best for for the outcome if this person already understands how to use Salonis in the end. So mm-hmm. this person should know what he or she is talking about. And so if yeah there was a training would be nice. Um then before you start validating, so if we um say okay, status quo, we have now our 95% solution, please validate the data. Um the people who validate the data should also know how to go into the front end and click there, set filters, mm-hmm. know what they read, what they can see. Mm-hmm. And yeah, in the end, it's the yeah the big crowd who should work with it. They also know how to use it. So there are three um, yeah good points where you could could uh, set up a training. But I guess the first smaller training should be during the implementation uh, during the implementation for the validation, and a bigger one should be in the end. Then you could do it already on 
on customer data. The data should be validated because this is a very important point. Um, I don't know if you would come to it, but it's very important that they users um, could trust the data. So it right. should be validated yep. and they see really the, the results. If they see mm -hmm. a, working, um, a work in progress, they perhaps don't accept it because they say, oh, can I trust this data? Is it right what Solonis is telling me? Mm -hmm. And yeah, an important point, yeah. Is that once the users are trained, it becomes a lot easier for them to validate their own data and gain confidence and trust into the, the analysis that you've built? Um, yeah, yeah, I guess. Because um, think back to the days <clears throat> when you were first introduced to Solonis. It was a new tool. And of course, you come out of, yeah, you're young, have a quick grasp, but it's very impressive. It has a lot of things you can, can click on. You can have a lot of buttons mm -hmm. and set filters and you, you are a little bit confused. What is all about this? And what, where do you find what you want to see? Yeah. <clears throat> and the training helps them to, to order the stuff and to mm -hmm. know and to set it in, in connection what they do and what they see in the end. And mm -hmm. I think for validation, it's important. But for like validation, usually two, three, four people, they can also do the online training mm -hmm. to set up a, with an actual trainer in person is, I think, the best point in the enablement fastest in the end. Uh, so what I understood from what you were saying here that it's it may be a good practice to do to like divide the trainings into different uh, phases and let's say uh, while the implementation partner, be it us or someone else, is still doing the implementation, it is good to already introduce the users into those online trainings that we all know uh, from Solonis Academy. Uh, that are basically prefabricated on some dummy data, some just uh, random data sets, so that the users actually get uh, in touch for the first time with the tool. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's. I think it's good to to handle it like that because they see it. Yeah, we all I um, hear very often that yeah, this P 2 P demo process. It's uh, how do I and compare it to other to our mm -hmm. process it's much more complex and stuff like that yeah i get it but to learn how to use the tool it works pretty good okay. and yeah what would you um say to someone thinking about when to actually do the trainings for their team or set the set the timeline is there is any specific point in the project where based on your experience and your recommendation is either way too early or way too late like, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it comes basically down to the data validation, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. Problem is really the, the validated data. Could they trust the data or not? And I think the acceptance, it's much higher if it's already validated. So it's one of the last, um, last points. Perhaps I could say if we do... Um, Value generation, perhaps right in between validation and value creation, because then mm -hmm. they know what they work with during the value creation. Perhaps mm -hmm. that's a good good point in time. Yeah. Okay. So once the users uh, get the first introduction training from from Celonis, which is usually this, uh, as I said, the the online courses that they can do in their free time and on their own pace, uh, then 
I assume comes the actual training. That is the, the the place where you come in, and this is where you come. You take whatever has been already implemented, the data that has been ideally to a certain degree already validated, and they are at least a bit comfortable using it. They say, "Okay, I see these uh, purchase orders, I see these sales orders, and I know that they exist in the system, and I can believe the trace, the process that I see with them." Um, so you have uh, you are coming into the company. And you are going to do the training on on their data set on their reports. How do you prepare for this? <laughs> yeah, that's that's um, tough sometimes, especially if I wasn't the guy implemented mm-hmm. the process. Um, usually, I start with talking to <laughs> the guy um, who implemented it to mm-hmm. to get to know the process. Um, if we weren't the implementation partner, if it's a total new mm-hmm. process. Back in the days at Salonis, um, I had this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just take some time to to go myself into Salonis, into the data, dive deep, take a look what they implemented, go to the backend and show, um, take a look at the formulas for mm-hmm. um, calculating KPIs and stuff like that. And that's the first step I do. I just want to get to know the process, want to know what I am talking about. Yeah, that's... It's most Does that important. take long? Depends on the process. <laughs> if it's a P2P, usually it, it's faster than, for example, at one customer. Um, but there, for this training, um, somebody from the academy made this um, huge step for preparing it for me. Um, mm. He took three days for preparing this training. What was the so process? It, um, <laughs> it was, um, uh, I don't know the English word, Kfz-Schaden. It was really complex and what they have as KPIs was complex and they wanted to have a PQL deep dive. So it was, mm. and the topic also was complex. So it was uh, also new training for me and for the academy. So they came a lot together. So three days were totally necessary. Yeah, and but he managed to give me a really good, uh, good training, and um, it was what it was nice. I myself learned a few things, just small things, but I, I've seen some some formulas I've never used before. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I will ever use them, but Salonis is capable to 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 work with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you are coming to a to a training, and uh, so. I guess each customer has a bit different uh, set of uh, requirements that they want to learn and also a different set of people that you are going to teach. Uh, How do you even set the goals for the training if you're coming there? Um, The nice thing is that they they trust you. They say, okay, um, we are open-minded, just we want to be capable to use Salonis afterwards. So this is their goal. That's it. Mm-hmm. Most of the time. I, mm-hmm. And um, so I'm, I, yeah, I'm free. I'm free to to set up the rules and set up what they are capable of afterwards. And yeah, on customer data, it's always hard. So this is a big decision: customer data or or demo data. Um, we could talk about it uh, in a few minutes. But if it's on customer data, I always say 
it's not about I explaining you all your analysis and mm -hmm. um, all KPIs because then we're back in status quo meeting uh, workshop. Um, I explain you how to use the the yeah software. I pick out some examples for each component that is used in your analysis, and then we talk about them, not about your complete analysis. So yeah, I'm coming back to your question. I'm I'm free to to set up the rules normally. Um, when you set up the rules, do you take into account how long this is going to take you? I mean, training up somebody that doesn't know the software at all to them being an expert like you takes, mm -hmm. what, three years? So how do you go from, <laughs> from a noob to a, to a new, from a newbie to someone that is somewhat capable of, of clicking around? Like, I'm sure the goal, um, is defined by how much time you can spend with them. Yeah. That's, um, basically. It, you say it. Um, if they want to to be an analyst afterwards and want to go back to the back end and um, do formulas and stuff like that on their own, it takes much more time. And then we talk about it. They say, okay, we want to, yeah. Then they said their goal is to just to click in the front end as a business user. Um, then I recommend, okay, we should use one half day or a little bit more than one half day. Mm -hmm. And they could, if they cannot block it, then they split it to to two few hour session and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's basically yeah a discussion or we're talking about it, the customer and me. Um, what are their goals and how we could reach them? So um, in setting your goals and figuring out what the what the user should be capable of doing, um, how do you kind of gauge the the customer's knowledge of the tool already. So some of them might have some more experience than others. And how do you kind of uh, figure out what they're already capable of? <laughs> With a short introduction in the beginning. It's <laughs> like, tell me what you know about Salonis, how much you did. And like, yeah, I don't remember when it was different. Most of the time it's like, some say, oh, yeah, I did the online training, but it's ages... It has been ages since I did them. And most of them, because most of them are new on this topic, say, yeah, I don't have a clue. And then we really, I most of my trainings, I start after a short theory part. I start with, okay, this is the yeah landing page. And there you can see this. You can see a workspace. You can see an analysis. If you click on analysis... In the top left, there is the Salonis button. This is the fastest way to go back to the landing page mm -hmm. and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So really, really basics. So it's almost needed. Yeah, go on, Daniel. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. They, I just <laughs> wanted to say they it's it's needed because sometimes they jump into the software on their own and they help validating. I had this case. And it worked somehow, but during the training, the guy said, Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And that were really the basics how to navigate through the, the um, Salona software. So it almost sounds as if uh, you were in some Disney movie where you just come there and you say, oh boy, we've got a lot of work to do. And suddenly <laughs> the music starts playing and you know, you're introducing them, they're making the progress, sometimes they'll fail. But you know, in three minutes <laughs> of the song, they end up being uh, a super expert in Salona and you're like, good work team. I'll be happy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> while this music is playing and everybody's uh, learning, uh, what do you actually do during the training? 
I wonder <laughs> how how is it going? How do you lead it? What are you teaching them? Um, I want to have them as much hands-on as it is possible. Um, I start with a short introduction. What is process mining in general? Um, what are we doing? How do we get the data together? And what are we working? Which data are we working with? And then we jump into the software. I show something. Like I said, um, here, click into the analysis, then you come back, stuff like that. And then I'm preparing questions and they have to answer it. If we are in person at the customer, for example, on site, um, they do them, they answer the questions on the, on the, on their own. And yeah, due to Corona, we had to all our trainings remotely. Um, I separate them in, yeah, your teams in different group rooms and then they yeah discuss it in groups of three to four people. And then they have to do a lot of stuff on their own because that's the only way it they get to know it and they remember it like a little bit. Most of the time they have their training and the time since they, uh, until they work the first time with the software on their own is three, four weeks after. So It's hard to remember all of that if you just listen to it. So they have to do something on their own. Um, when you're explaining things to, to these people in your trainings, mm -hmm. I do this thing where um, when I'm talking to someone, I'm very presumptuous of the fact that they know the same thing that I do. And <laughs> then I just kind of completely talk past them because I just assume that they know what I know. So as a trainer, how do you avoid doing that? And how do you best engage people's knowledge? <sighs> It's hard because you have a big group and everybody's knowledge is different. Knowledge level is different. So yeah. basically you start everything from zero and you learn it very quick to do that because if you don't, there are questions and they ask them. I hope they ask them. Uh, I always encourage them to ask questions. Always interrupt me if I'm too fast, if I'm not on their mm -hmm. level, if they, some things don't know. And then you, yeah. You, it's a process during the training, I would say. In the big first few hour, minutes, hours, you start everything from the beginning and then you get to know each other a little bit. After the first um, set of exercises, you see who did the answers, who was fast, who was not, not that fast. And then you separate, not separate, but you, you can sort them after knowledge skill. And then if they have just a question to you in person, um, somebody who has a yeah, higher skill level, then you can, yeah, like you say, you assume they know some stuff and yeah, you have to put that in your mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm wondering, do you also give them homework? <laughs> uh, so let's say when, you, when you're done for the day, you said that the training can take a couple mm -hmm. of days, even depending on the scope and on the amount of information that you want to share with them. Are you like in a school really <laughs> ending with a, okay, people, so here we have a little task and I will be rating it tomorrow. So please spend some time with it. <laughs> no, in the beginning I say, no, not the bell ends the lesson. I end the lesson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, basically, usually not. Um, if the last few trainings were just business users, so it's a quick, quick session, four to six hours. And if we, it happens that we don't um, get through all the stuff, 
we mm-hmm. set as the goal. Um, then I prepare something in the slides, like you all know, selection views, a set of filters, and they are sometimes a little bit mm, not intuitive. And I have prepared a slide where I um, explain them a little bit more, and then I send it without send it with my presentation and the the exercises, mm-hmm. and then I say, if you are feel free, if you want to feel free to to try to answer the questions with um, this little sheet. Um, but usually, I don't give homework. Just in the end, I say, okay, there is a link because I'm yeah, I'm certified Salonis trainer. So mm-hmm. I'm working with them. They have um, a platform to download some certificates also. And mm-hmm. there they have, the participants have um, yeah, the possibility to give me feedback. And then I say, hey, please download your certification. And if you have two minutes to spare, please give me some feedback that I could get better. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. if I'm already good, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, as soon as you said as soon as you said homework, I was picturing you at a parent teacher conference talking to their parents, <laughs> telling them they haven't done their homework. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be nice sometimes. But my question was gonna be, <laughs> my question was gonna be like if do you ever do follow-ups to your trainings? So you've you've done a training like two months ago. Do you ever say, hey, let's freshen up your skills and let's uh if anybody needs it, uh, can we can we schedule a follow-up? We have this in our scope from process and trains, but till today never never happened. Mm-hmm. I also say um, them sorry, sorry uh, I also tell them, please, if you have questions in one or two months, and if it's not like open a new new trainings or meeting for one hour, if it's a quick question, you please write me, I will help you. I mean, this only means that your trainings, your first trainings, are very highly effective. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, how do the people enjoy the trainings? Are they generally like when they are coming into it, are they excited to do it? Or is it more like uh, our boss is forcing us to use this another new tool and we really have to sit it out and listen to it? Uh, or does it differ and depend? It depends on who is joining the training. But usually they enjoy it. Sometimes if they if there is a higher level in hierarchy joining the, the training and this person is not the like a, how should I say not the funniest person, um, then it's pretty straight and yeah we do our stuff and no laughing, just talking and learning and stuff like that. But um, usually it's um, getting a little bit more comfortable and the people are talking and laughing sometimes i do a joke they do a joke and it's a very comfortable situation for everybody and yeah i try to 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 arrange it because it's much easier for them to ask questions to come out of their comfort zone to learn more and then it's easier seems like your trainings are really fun <laughs> and i kind of want to experience one of those unfortunately i was not able so far so uh, hopefully you'll do an internal training someday uh, hopefully i yeah. want to hear your jokes <laughs> yeah or maybe daniel is using these trainings as a way to you know boost his stand-up career yeah who knows <laughs> yeah no <laughs> too too time intensive <laughs> So in terms of just um, being at the meetings, what else is expected of the people attending your your trainings? Like what, what do you need them to have to be able to do these? Mm, not much. Um, a stable internet connection if it's remote. 
and I like them to yeah put on the camera because like we said earlier um it's it's hard to to talk to them to bring a certain atmosphere if you don't see anybody and get them gestures and mimic and that's basically it um it's really i give them the agenda a few days earlier um give them the link where they could could log in and perhaps i said on the day itself i sent them the the questions the exercises and that's it so mm -hmm. yeah um yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> Um, what is usually the most problematic part of the training? Like what is causing uh, problems for the users? Was, what do you have to spend usually more time on? Um, just, uh, I come down to one or two components. Um, what do you guys think from your um, yeah, history in implementing and bringing it to, to people um, to work with Salonis. What do you think, which are the two components in combination who are the, which are the most problematic? PU functions. Mm, you're going too much too deep, much too deep. <laughs> Let's stick with business user level. Just the components and using them. Well, I would say the process Bearing explorer and how to use yeah, it these two. effectively. The, yeah. What are the differences between <laughs> these two um, components. Why do we see? I gotta say, yeah, I gotta say, it took me about a year to find <laughs> out. <so. laughs> yeah, it's 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 hard to to understand why is in the process explorer the numbers of each um, connection and activity why are they all different and um, yeah. why do we see it in the varied explorer and yeah, what's the difference between the two explorers and how to use them and this is. A tricky part and and in addition in these two components there is the um, case count and the activity count and also the difference between two, mm -hmm. two, these two numbers in one training i think it, it took one person half an hour to or two three persons a group of persons to to get the difference between <laughs> two and i explained it on many different and, and examples from their daily life and stuff like that, but it was hard for them to to separate it. And yeah, so sometimes you get, think PU functions very uh, problems and problematic and stuff like that, but it could also be the basics where some of um, our colleagues mm -hmm. would not, not think about going so deep and talk about these problems, um, but they couldn't could cause uh, yeah well, big question marks at the customer side and the user side. Mm -hmm. Then Daniel, tell me, what is the difference between a process explorer and a variant explorer? <laughs> <laughs> if there is uh, someone in the audience who doesn't know the answer and uh, let's say that they are starting out with it. And this actually is a good question because what is the difference yeah. between yeah, the two? It's, it's a good question. Um, yeah, we have uh, the variant explorer who <clears throat> yeah, basically put makes up some buckets and um, say, okay, one bucket is one different, one variant, how your process um, could be flown through by one of, yeah, our case. And mm -hmm. for example, variant A is going to activity A, B, C, D. Mm -hmm. Variant B is um, the activities A, 
CBD. So just two of them are switched. So this is, these are different variants. And then it um, yeah, shows you every single variant that could be, uh, that is possible, that uh, happened in, in the company. So you always see in the beginning, it's the f same number throughout the whole process. If you just look at one variant, of course. And yeah, that's pretty nice because everybody thinks about, um, if he or she thinks about a process, thinks about a flow from the beginning to end. It's a flow. We start with activities, follow up, and in the end, you have your same case. But the problem is why there is a process explorer. You don't find rare activities. You don't have absolute numbers. In variant one, um, activity A happened four times. In variant B, three times. In variant C, perhaps it didn't happen at all. And in variant Z, one time. So how do I know how often did activity A happen? And this is where the process explorer comes to um, yeah, it's usage because in the process explorer, we see total numbers and that's one of the biggest advantages we see from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Okay. This activity happened so often and yeah, mm -hmm. we could talk hours about it, but that's the main difference between both of them in the process explorer. We see just the most, um, yeah, the most, uh, I don't get the word, uh, the most, um, <laughs> common activities and their connections. Yeah. Yeah. So if anybody of our listeners would like to know more, they can schedule a training with Daniel at any time. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> um, but uh, talking more about the, the, the training again, you already mentioned this already, um, but using a company's data set versus using a generic one, right? Can you can you tell me mm -hmm. a little bit more about like what the difference is and what in your experiences work better or less so than Yeah um it's it's interesting because everybody thinks yeah let's do it on our customer data because then everybody knows the process and wants to they know what we are talking about and I get it it is an advantage if the people know the process know what an activity stands for yeah but yeah um, history has shown that if you are on customer data, they always drift away and say, oh, this is my, um, I don't know, my group. So let's see how we perform. And then how is the automation rate? How do we see this? And they go dive into their KPIs and want to talk about it and ask you questions about it. And that's not, um, not the goal of the training. The goal of the training is to get to know the this, this software. And therefore, it's yeah, normally I say, I recommend to use the demo data. It's a little bit odd that it's not that complicated as most of the customer's processes. Um, yeah, and that's really, sometimes it's really not good. But in general, they get more out of it for, regarding, the, the, um, regarding the, the software. The best thing would be, I guess... A hybrid solution to start on demo data and do the one first day for perhaps a few things in the second day in, on demo data and then dive into the customer's data. Then you have both combined and the best out of everything. 
That's, uh, that's actually interesting because I never thought about it. I was always on that side of the of the barrier who would be saying, let's always use our own data because this is the most interesting. You mm-hmm. find some interesting use cases there already. But actually, I like your point where you were saying that this can actually take your attention away from the goal, which mm-hmm. is to learn how to use the tool, not to deep dive uh, that into, into the use cases. So definitely interesting point. Um, so if you are wrapping up then the, the training, what would be the out- uh, ideal outcome and ideal scenario that you leave the company and say, uh, you know what, I did a good job. I think this training went very well. And uh, the, how, would you, how would you assess it? What, what do you think the person should be able to do after this? Um, ideal, they know everything and could use the, the software. But I'm, I'm happy with the outcome that they are looking forward to using mm-hmm. the software. They, it's not my point to that they know everything. There will always be some, some points. Like I said um, earlier, I learned something during the last training. Mm-hmm. Like it. But if they are hyped to use it, to see their, to explore their own process, um, it's much more important that the user acceptance is, um, is one of the key factors of, a, of the success of our project in the end. And so if the user acceptance is high and they are hyped and they want to use it, then, yeah, I think I did a good job and they know how the, the basics so that yeah. they don't go on their own into the software and say, oh no, I didn't, I don't know how to use it. And I, yeah, it's all bullshit. Let's uh, mm-hmm. never use it again. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, would not be good. So if they know the basics and be, be hyped about the software. So um, let's, let's, um, let's, let's try this. Mm-hmm. If you were a um, manager, right, and your company is just starting out with process mining, how would you best enable your, your colleagues? If I'm the manager and know about the tool? Yeah. You know about the tool and you want to implement it and you want to be um, at a point where you can say, I, I want to enable my users to be able to use this tool. What is, in your opinion, the best approach to go about it? I would call me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, you didn't uh, aim on this. <laughs> um, yeah, like, um, I'm not sure if I get it right, but I would yeah have a training and um, show them what the um, what the software is capable to give them a quick insight. In the first place, give them a quick insight, show them their numbers and say, hey, person X, Y, how many um, sales orders did our company yeah, proceed the last few months? And say, what do you think? What are the numbers? And then the person says, mm, I don't know. I have to check SAP and it, took me, it takes me some time, but I'll come back to you. And he says, Manch says, okay, one click, Salonis, here we proceeded they, so many. And then stuff like that. Just show them how useful Salonis could be um, so that they want to use it and then um, dive deep with them. Mm-hmm. Show them really how the manager, so how I did this and how I came to the, to the mm-hmm. results that quick. Mm-hmm. So generally get them excited yeah, about it's, it. Yeah, it's all about it. Okay. 
Um, do you have any memory of a training that went exceptionally well and on the other side also exceptionally bad? Um, exceptionally bad, I think, was my first remote training. Okay. There was one guy who complained afterwards really tough. He, it was in my, during my Salonis times. And he wrote the academy, hey, how could somebody do such a bad training? And he was, but he was the only guy who um, complained this hard. Um, yeah, it was tough to, it's really a big difference, remote and in person. And um, it was new to me. And yeah, it was, in recap, it wasn't my best training. I have to admit it. Yeah. And he was right with a few parts, um, but that was, I guess, worst and exceptionally good yeah i don't know every other training <laughs> they are all <laughs> no but i don't i don't think i have one outstanding memory no sorry <laughs> no problem yeah then uh yeah i guess uh we've heard a lot about trainings today daniel that's uh that's really brilliant and i have one last question uh, for you uh, before we wrap up the episode um what do you like more doing the data science or doing the trainings <laughs> <laughs> doing the data science is <laughs> okay it's yeah it's much more comfortable you sit there in your own pace doing your stuff know what to do when to do and the training is sometimes um yeah hits you with questions and stuff out of the blue it's but it's nice it's also nice can get stressful i can imagine i had a, a little teaching experience on my own and i i know that there can be some mm. uncomfortable yeah. uh times at, at uh, some point <laughs> Okay, uh, Daniel, I want to thank you again for making the time for us and uh, really talking with us about the trainings. I can say already that I think I took out something, some very interesting points uh, out of it. Uh, I hope that uh, you, our listeners, did as well. Uh, if you are ever in need of a training, well, you can <laughs> use our Daniel. He is always happy to do so, even <laughs> though he prefers data science these days. Uh, <laughs> regardless uh thank you very much for listening to our episode uh as usual we would be very happy if you could rate us on, on apple podcasts uh every good review counts uh, if you have any questions whatsoever just uh, hit us on minding your business podcast at gmail.com and we will be sure to reply uh patrick daniel thank you very much for today's episode and i'll uh hear you next time bye 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 thank you guys thank you daniel bye <laughs>